You've got a little line last on your face. Now, make a wish. Oh, I didn't quite try again, sorry. Okay, what do you wish for? Tell the podcast. I can't tell people what I wish for, then the wish wouldn't happen. Well, it probably won't happen. So tell, tell them. No, wait, I hope it happens. Just, just whisper it to me in the podcast. What, you, what was your wish? I wish that the podcast um, got really famous and then all of the money went to me. <laughs> well, that's definitely not going to happen. <laughs> Welcome to Myths. I'm Matt Huss. And I'm Dan Rhodes. Whether you know about Theseus or you're revising your syllabus. If you want tales with a bit of jest or you just want to hear about incest. What? What? It's really interesting. Welcome to Myths. Welcome to Myths. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Mist Podcast, the podcast which we, um, it's handmade by us as well. We, 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 we build it and we deliver it straight to your ears. That's what we do. We do. That's actually what we do, technically. How are you doing today, Dan? Not too bad, Matt. How are you doing today, Matt? I am very well and I'm very rock and roll today, Dan. Do you Why know? is that, Matt? Can you say it in a way which we haven't? Right, we have planned what we're going to talk about in this episode, and Dan has not—he hasn't shown that he hasn't done his presenter's voice very much. He's he's following the guidelines I've set for him. So let's try. So that. try again. Try yeah, again. Yeah. Sorry. I'm feeling very rock and roll today, Dan. Why? <laughs> did I know it? <laughs> I think you did, but let's try it one more time. <laughs> like, let's get, get have a bit more. I'll be like a voiceover director. Okay. Try have a bit more. Act like I didn't know this was happening. Yeah, okay. pre- do that and also pretend that there's a friendship here. Okay, okay, okay. I feel pretty rock and roll today, Dan. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, can I ask why? I thought you always, always feel pretty rock and roll. Oh, thanks, Dan. I really, that was good. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, um, do, you, do you, honestly, do you think I'm quite rock and roll? Because I don't think people think I'm rock and roll. Do I think you're rock and roll? Absolutely not. <laughs> do I think of you when I, when I listen to rock and roll? Yes. Oh, now that's actually a lot nicer. That's really good. Uh, but No, it's not. Let me just clarify. What I'm saying <laughs> is that are you a rock and roll cool kind of guy? No. But do you like rock music and therefore do I listen to rock and think, Matt probably likes this. Yes. No, I think I prefer that because I'm not that, pers- that person who's like, yeah, yeah, I've got a neck tattoo and I like nipple piercings. You know what I mean? Although you do have a neck tattoo and nipple piercings. Oh, yeah, but that's like part of the territory. So, yeah. <laughs> that's how you get into rock gigs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I but uh, it's quite sweet that you think of me uh, after rock songs because I I like to be. Uh, let's face it, I'm a music nerd, but not a music metal fan, if you know what I mean. So yeah. uh, people get surprised when I mention. Uh, it's not my Edinburgh show at the moment. Uh, I, I mention I go into a rock festival. I always go, oh, who thinks I'm rock and roll? Always silence, uh, and it's a, a nice little moment between me and the audience. <laughs> Come see me live from the first of August to the twenty fifth of August at Edinburgh Fringe. Please buy tickets, only five pounds. At ten past seven at the Justin Hanley meeting room at the Grass Market Centre. Quick plug! Uh, uh, so, uh, I went to see Metallica. Nice! Metallica's family! Who'd you go with? I went, to see, I went with my brother because it was my Christmas present. Nice! And uh, guess how much tickets were? Were they more than £60? They were more than £60. Wow. It's very expensive. £100. £108. A hun- your brother paid £108 for Actually, it? my mum did, uh, technically. It was my, Christmas, my main Christmas present. Oh, okay, well, that's so. nice. 
Yeah, and also, I mean, I couldn't afford to go if uh, I couldn't buy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend that money myself. Whereabouts was the show? It was Manchester Etihad Stadium. Manchester City. Yes. Nice. Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you see Musa? No, I saw uh, Musa so at you the saw uh, Olympic Park. 30 Seconds to Mars. At O2. Okay, cool, yeah. I liked... Well, I, I liked Metallica. I thought the stadium was quite shit, to be honest, because... Uh, they basically the sound was all over the place for the gig, but was it? Oh, yeah, well, and Metallica have famously good sound, but it was terrible acoustics. Uh, yeah, well, it was just like they didn't plan it out properly, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, and you, you know how old I am now. Like I'm, I'm not rock and roll because I realise I complain at the sound at gigs. <laughs> That's who I am now. I'm not. When I was 15 years old, I was like, yeah, the fresh middle and like, like staring at boobs. And, but I'm not that person anymore because I realised that on the train there. Because on the train there, uh, there's people on, also going to see Metallica. They're wearing like these Metallica shirts. Again, these neck tattoos, neck, uh, nipple piercings, drinking cans of lager on the train and stuff like that. But me, I was listening to an audio book about a murder trial whilst drinking squash. I was like, that's, I'm a different person. Like, I'm not that person. Oh, you know I mean? Was it packed? Busy? Uh, the gig, yeah, sold out. Oh, so nice. pretty, pretty nice. Uh, had um, they also give you like disposable cups, as well, like but like. Um, Recyclable cups, uh, so you, yeah, basically you can hand them back, and it's like yeah, a bit more green, but also Metallica themed as well. Were you standing or sitting? Standing, nice. And uh, did you get in a mosh pit? I yes, I did. I got in quite a few mosh pits, uh, and, but it was also properly raining, and I packed up everything as well. I got oh, it was like raining too. Like, proper, was, proper rain. That couldn't have been nice. Well, that's the thing because this guy forgot his coat. Right, and I packed everything else, and uh, so it's proper. Slippy. By this guy, you mean yourself? Yes, yeah, so you're not talking about a guy in there. Yeah, not talking to you, the, the listener. Like, oh, you, you, this guy you, you, you forgot to bring my coat, you idiot. Uh, this guy. Uh, I thought it was more. When I said this guy, it's quite, I, that's clear that I meant myself, right? Like, yeah. This guy, because I'm though I'm pointing at myself. I think it sounds like I'm pointing at myself. Self, yeah. This guy. It's it's a this. this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Let's see how long we can talk about this. <laughs> That's I, I think another three minutes on this. Solid goal. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Sounds like you've just been on electric shock. <laughs> yeah, because you didn't say This guy forgot his coat. Yeah, it's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you're in the rain and you haven't Yeah, and um and, and you've forgotten something. Yeah, and also uh I got really pissed off at the gig because uh, like because uh, I'm quite a small guy and I, I don't really fare that well uh, at gigs at the best of times because I'm quite short. I can't barely see the stage. But they, um, the way they did it was that uh, people at the sides were down and the people in the middle were up so it was really hard to see the stage. So I barely saw them as well. And you're paying a lot of money to see them. It's, like, it's a very easy thing to fix. But so on this like sloped surface it was raining and there's a massive mosh pit as well and it was really good fun. It was like proper going around and they dropped some absolute like proper stone cold like uh, uh, stuff like obscure hits as well. They did the same anger, which is something they barely play, and I fucking loved that album. I was so happy. My brother didn't know any words, but I was like, "Yeah, it's playing the same anger." But what had happened, Dan? Is that during one of the songs? Um, this has never happened to me before, and I've been to a lot of mosh pits, but uh, I actually fell down in the mosh pit as well. Oh no, go rainy. Yeah, it was, I fell down, and I realised uh, uh, I was bleeding profusely from my arm. Uh, and uh, it's healed over now, but... Uh, oh, it has, yeah, yeah it's got a scratch. Yeah, yeah. do you want to describe it to the listener? It's about... Dan's currently searching for something. I assume he's going to get a penny. No, I want to get like a ruler and find out how big it is. <laughs> and then we're going to find out how big in the fact, scab is. In fact, I'll, uh, I'll use this Moroccan dirham. Because <laughs> uh, you recently went to Morocco, um, So you? if you're, if you're listeners, if you could just get your Moroccan dirham out... <laughs> 
And then you'll be able to look at it and know what I'm talking about. I like it because the listeners like I've just I've only just got my Mexican peso. Is not yeah. going to get dirham as well? Yeah. Okay, yeah. It is about. Um, bear in mind, it has healed over a lot since. It's about three serials numbers across, and famously, and about four deep. Yeah, so famously, Moroccan numbers. Um, the uh, the serial numbers are twelve foot long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, if you get in Moroccan Durham and look at the spacing of the serial numbers, you know exactly what I mean. Yeah. What I'm saying is, it's not big. It, well, it was a lot bigger. There's like a gash as well. Okay. It's like bleeding. But I can see that it is um, very raw, very tender. Yeah, and it, I couldn't. I couldn't rest my arms and then yeah. tables but uh yeah it was, it was painful but one of the most metal things that happened to me at the uh that also someone headbutted me by accident and hit me in the back of the head also someone moved their arm back and hit me in the nose as well so it's like i really got a lot of wounds from the battlefront as well but i think that's also quite fitting for a metallica gig and have you ever had experience where you haven't been to many gigs but that your experience at the gig resembled the kind of vibe of the performer do, uh, do of the two gigs i've been to no because this is a very niche question, but like my dad's a massive Bruce Springsteen fan, and Bruce Springsteen's quite—he's like this kind of working-class hero, and like he has a lot of songs about love and romance, and it's quite theatrical kind of songs as well. And uh, uh, and I went to see him with uh, went with my brother, my dad, and my dad's girlfriend at the time, uh, and basically they all went together. And my dad and his girlfriend can be kind of—they can have moments of. Uh, theatrics and quite drama queeny yeah. as well so and at the gig uh, to cut long story short my dad kind of ditched his girlfriend because the girlfriend got overwhelmed went to the side and he just stayed with me and my brother and just like yeah she sorted herself out and then halfway through the gig she's shouting him going you left me over there I was having a uh, I'm by myself uh, that, that's it we're through we're absolutely through don't ever want to see you ever again and she stormed out the gig and my dad was like oh I'm going to have to go and find her and stuff like that and I think that's the most Bruce Springsteen thing that's ever <laughs> happened to anyone at a gig like, he, like the irony is so wonderful there isn't it that's a great story. I think. That is so. I mean, it's not a funny one, but certainly a very good one. So I had a very Metallica experience as well. So um, yeah, uh, I also uh, caught a pick as well. Oh, they threw a pick in the. You going to treasure that? I did. Uh, well, actually, my brother caught it and uh, he g- gifted it to me. And it's uh, it said Manchester on it. Like he did, they did like a uh, Manchester had bees on it, and then personalised it as well for the day as well. Oh wow! Because they were doing one in Manchester, one in London as well. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Oh, and also I forgot as a teenager how much I love Metallica as well because I've been into Queen and a lot of Jeff Rosenstock recently. Hey, check out my Jeff Rosenstock blog on mouthwashcomedy.com. Have you checked it out? No. How many people? <laughs> how many people have checked it out? I haven't checked the analytics, but I think twelve. <laughs> and I have a fan base of about two thousand people. Uh, so if you want to check that out, go on my website. It's called. Uh, it's under the blog. No one asked me to write this, uh, and you can also find my Queen blog there, which I think has. A maximum of 50 people reading Isn't that. your Queen Bug like 3,000 words? 3,500. Oh my god. <laughs> and I, I I send it to every girl I'm on a date as well. I was like, check, read this over. And uh, I shouldn't mention this on the podcast, but the girl I'm dating at the moment called C- we'll bleep out her name. She said her favourite Queen song is Body Language. And have you ever listened to that song? I have not. It's the worst Queen song in the world. <laughs> and yeah, that's just saying, it's probably a reason I haven't heard of it. It's, it goes, Body Language. Body Language. <laughs> But it's during that when Freddie really didn't care about doing Queen music and yeah. he very much tried to do his own kind of like Berlin kind of pop music okay. and it was just kind of like it was the worst. Should I, should I play it quickly for you? Yeah, please. It's, it's honest to God, it's... Um, Why well, have I not heard of this? I feel like I've only heard of the good Queen songs. 
Well, she's just trying to impress you with her niche, niche, no, cause with I, her I, niche I, knowledge. No, because I hadn't even met it mentioned Queen yet, which <laughs> it was like the two sentences in. So, second message. Uh, uh, but yeah, she. Uh, what kind of music is she into? A lot of pop stuff, so. Yeah. We shouldn't really talk about too much about because I don't. Yeah, probably. Let's not jinx it, please. And I don't want her to have a reason to not see me any further. So, I'll play. Let's not talk about her anymore, but she does like. Yeah, this, she, this person. And mentioned that, that they liked body in, language. In the Queen this blog, song. I mentioned that this is one, of the, not the worst song, but one of the worst songs, I think. Uh, it's, I think the worst song is uh, I'm in love with my car, because I was honest to God the worst. I have that song, Mark. It's, it's, it's the worst. Yeah. It's so bad, it's good. It's like, um, I told my girl I was going to forget her because I want to buy a new carburetor. It's like, just die in the bin, Roger Taylor. It's the worst <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay, are you ready for some body language? And I think, when I listen to Hot Space, because Hot Space is a weird album, because Hot Space, uh, yeah, it's basically where Freddie wasn't part of the band. He's trying to do his own solo projects. And, uh, yeah, so this is what this is. It's, like, very Berlin. Uh, obviously, we can't play the whole song for you on the podcast, but we can play a 30-second uh, snippet. <laughs> oh, this is not a good Queen song, is it? <laughs> yeah, I'll stop it there. It's not very listenable, is it? Yeah, it's compared to absolutely all the albums. <laughs> it's such a weird song. Don't talk, don't talk, don't talk. By the language, <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it's a song. <laughs> I enjoyed that actually. Anyway, we should probably get onto the myth. Uh, uh, are you going to listen to that song now? No, it's weird. It's amazing that the the band that wrote. Show must go on. Bohemian Rhapsody. Radio Gaga. Uh, Radio Gaga. Don't stop me now. Uh, yeah. Um, also wrote that. But then again, they every band has to have a few. But like, it's just how. But I admire that they experimented with the form. You know yeah. what I mean? They pushed it out. And but imagine trying to pitch that song to Brian May and Roger Taylor and John Deacon. Be like, guys, I got this cool song. Body language. It's like, but because like the rest of the album, What Space, it, half of it's Freddie being like this this weird shit as well. The other half, it's like Roger Taylor and. Uh, um, and uh, Brian May just trying to make it, trying to make it a Queen album, trying to well. make it rocky. Like, yeah, because there's a couple of good songs on there. It's like uh, a put out the fire as well. It's like that's it's a fine song. It's fine. It's like a classic Queen. But yeah, oh, what's put that sound song like? Yeah, I'd, do you want to, oh. just for the purposes of right now. Put out, uh, the, fire. Put out the fire. They have so many songs, don't they? Well, check out my Queen blog. <laughs> It's actually a really good song. That's not a bad song, I like it. That's Queenie, though, isn't it? Mm. That's a good voice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Freddie Mercury has a fine voice. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's okay. a fine singer. Yeah, not as good as me. Uh, Alright! Shall we crack on with a myth? <laughs> that was a nice detail, wasn't it? It was. Anyway, uh, it's time to do some myths. Hey there, my name is Matt Huss, and in this link I have an American accent, and I advocate the safe use of myths podcasts. In small doses. Okay, Dan, we are currently ep- four episodes, uh, this is the fourth episode on the Aeneid, uh, three episodes down. What has happened so far? Uh, a man. Yes, and that's all we're caught up. Called Aeneas. 
he arrived at a place. Why are you doing it in like a high heel? I can't remember what the name of the place is called. Carthage. He arrived what? at Carthage. How are you pointing at me when you need like okay. assistance? He arrived at... Carthage. And he was met there by Queen... Dido. Who he fell in... Love. With. with. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He fell in love with. Um, she's then like, wow, you got shipwrecked here on our, on our land of Carthage. How did you get here? And he's like, well, took me seven years. Do you want to hear the whole story? And she's like, yeah, but can you condense it into one book, please? An easily manageable episode. And he said, yeah. Yeah. Episode 73 of Myths. Yeah. In which he basically did the journey that Odysseus does. Well, in that... From Troy. He's escaping Troy. Turns out he's from Troy. Yeah, well, we see the the siege in Troy, and then we also see him escape Troy, and also the the adventure. We saw Troy, but from a Trojan side of view. (laughs) Sorry, Queen came back on. (laughs) Yeah, he escaped Troy with his men and his family and ended up on this crazy adventure through various islands and he met cyclopses and flying harpies that are like half woman, half bird, talking plants. Yeah. Yeah, various places. But now he's arrived back. Yeah. So And he's just filled everyone in how he got yeah. back to Carthage. So we, we're back in Carthage, back in... Uh, uh, the, we're currently at the feast. And just to clarify on the point that Dan made, so... Uh, uh, yeah, Aeneas has feelings for Dido, but they're not quite... Yeah, he hasn't solidified them She's yet. She's in love with him. Because well, Cupid shot him with an arrow. Yes. What, what, do you know why that happened? No, I can't remember. So what happened that uh, Aeneas' mum, Venus, uh, because Carthage is uh, Juno city, and Juno hates Aeneas, so what Venus does is that she sends her other son, Cupid, to hit Dido with uh, the love arrow to make her fall in love with Aeneas to make that journey easier. To basically get to Dido before Dido uh, is affected by Juno. Okay, yeah. She's playing like chess, if you know what I mean. Yeah. However, so uh, this is going to come out and play. So, this is book four of the Aeneid and we just had a lovely feast. So, uh, Dido's love for Aeneas uh, described as a wound and as a flame grows as she listens to Aeneas' sad story. She eventually works up the nerve to speak to her sister, Anna, describing her alarm at her passion for Aeneas and how she had never loved anyone other than Sicaeus. I love that he's got, she's got a really normal sister's name. Yeah, it's like, Dido, Sicaeus, and Anna. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so do you remember who Sicaeus was? No. Do you want me to explain that? Yes. So Dido was also queen of a place called Tyre, and uh, basically I believe uh, an evil guy called Pygmalion uh, kind of killed Sicaeus, her, the king of Tyre, and uh, basically she fled there uh, because of Pygmalion and she found in Carthage. Which is nice. Uh, but yeah, so um, she's obviously going through so much emotions at the moment because she's fallen with this random guy. Uh, she also feels bad for her husband as well. Yeah. like Because uh, Aeneas moved on quite quickly after Crusoe. It's like, all right, see ya, bye. Uh, <laughs> uh, but with her, she's like, oh, I don't know. But she's talking to her sister about it all and she's going... Obviously... This divine intervention is quite important because she shouldn't na- naturally be feeling like this. But let's see. Uh, so I feel quite bad for Dido at this moment. But So weeping, she states that she would rather die than betray Sicaeus' memory. Anna encourages Dido to let herself love. Anna argues that a marriage with Aeneas makes emotional sense since Dido won't waste her youth in loneliness and tactical sense since Carthage is surrounded by enemies including King Iarbus of a nearby nation whose love Dido has spurned and could use an alliance like this. So, uh, emotionally she feels connected to them so she should do it. Also, tactically, if she tr- matches up with the Trojans, she, um, it's a good uh, alias. Yeah, but it's like, bear um, in mind King... Alliance, yes, but bear in mind King Iarbus because he's going to be quite important okay. for a second. 
Anna encourages Dido to keep Aeneas in Carthage by warning him of the dangers of sailing in winter storms. Dido's doubts easily vanish as she gives her into her passion. Which is nice, isn't it? Nice, yeah. Because well, we don't really see nice moments in, uh, in, in, in these myths that much. Uh, Virgil compares poor Dido to a doe who doesn't realise that, uh, that a hunter's arrow is still stuck in her side. Dido makes sure that Aeneas sees how wealthy she is, yet, love-struck, she can hardly bring herself to speak with him. She treasures his every word and, he, and stays up at night lingering alone where he sat at dinner. Without her guidance, construction of a carthage comes to a halt. So she's so in love and love-struck by Cupid's arrow that she's like, not even, she's just in a daze. Yes! Oh, I'm so in love with well, that's that's Dido's voice. Yeah. Oh, hello, I'm a lady. Yeah. But yeah, she um, in the first one we see we see Carthage like um like, like a, a hive where bees are building up this like central hub. But now with the construction stops, she's just she's got like she's got dick on her brain. Okay, yep. Uh, but she also sounds very Matt Hossler, like lingering alone at night where the person sat for dinner, just treasuring everyone's word. That's a Matt Hoss move. Nice. That is actually. Yeah. Uh that's depressing, isn't it? Anyway, uh, Juno angrily addresses Venus for putting Dido in such a state, hoping to protect Carthage and block Aeneas's fate. Juno asks to solidify a balanced union by getting Aeneas and Dido married. Nice. So, yeah. So uh, she's going to be right for that, Dido. Yeah, because well, th- well, why? Well, why would uh, why would Juno be up for this as well? I don't know. I thought Juno wouldn't want this. Well, actually, because she loves Carthage. Carthage is her city. And even though she knows fate of Aeneas, uh, if she's able to create them, uh, if she's able to keep Aeneas there, he won't go on to find Rome and it won't that's get true. destroyed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it works for a lot in her favour. Yeah, if she yeah. keeps him in Carthage, yeah. he can't go anywhere. Okay. So a marriage is actually quite important um, to this. Venus feigns agreement to this, uh, saying that this merger of Carthage and Troy must be fate. But she is a, uh, she, she knows it's not. It's not really true. Uh, so it's kind of god politics happening here. Yeah. And we don't really see that much god politics, but this is very much a lot of the needs to do with this as well. Juno explains the wedding plans to Venus. Now bear in mind, they're saying wedding plans, but I want to hear your thoughts on this afterwards. So, um, when Aeneas and Dido join a hunting group tomorrow, Juno will create a huge storm. The couple will take refuge in a cave, where Juno will marry them. Venus again pretends to agree, but has secret other plans. Uh, the following day, the hunting party sets out, including the majestically dressed Dido and Aeneas, who is so handsome he resembles Apollo. Uh, the storm arrives, uh, scattering into groups, and Aeneas and Dido end up together in a cave as planned. Juno presides over the wedding, with nature as a witness, while the nymphs cry from the hills. Uh, now, this is the point we have to discuss, because Virgil doesn't mention if the couple physically consummates the marriage, but he hints that they do, writing that Dido calls it marriage, using the words to cloak her sense of guilt. Uh, however, now, now this is important, because when you read the... When, if you read this poetry, um, the, the epic, it's just, it just sounds like they've banged in a cave. That's, okay, that's, yeah. that's essentially what's just happened. They've They've just... They've pounded got, at it. It's raining. Yeah. They've got lost from the hunting party. They've gone into a cave, and yeah, I think done that, what adults do. <laughs> uh, play Scrabble and talk about their feelings. Yeah. When I was a kid, my mum used to call having sex playing Scrabble. Nice. 
but we wouldn't, she wouldn't play, want to play Scrabble with the family. That's too <laughs> weird. Uh, but yeah, so I don't think Aeneas knows that he's married. Because from his perspective, he just banged. He just banged a girl in a cage. Yeah. yeah. But then he, would he not, did he not question why God was in there but doing I a marriage? But again, I think he's, I think Julius comes like, and now you're married. Like She hasn't come down and performed the ceremony. She no, just said it from up in... Yeah, yeah, Olympus. I think yeah. No, there's no ceremony. They just literally just fucked in the cave. Nice. Would you ever fuck in a cave? Uh, would you ever have a wedding in a cave? Uh, yes, a wedding in a cave would be pretty cool. You know we went to the salt mines in... Uh, in Krakow, Poland, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I was gonna say Croatia, but Poland, yeah. Uh, and would you, would you ever get married down there? Because that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. they do marriages. That was pretty cool. All the Waitomo caves in New Zealand. People know what that is. Yep, everyone does. So yeah, um, where, where the glowworms live. So Dido um, uh, says it's a marriage, but I think she's trying to cover her guilt for just. She feels bad for Sakaya's, but also means. It, she feels it, bad that she's just married these people without them realising they're married. Also... Dido must have been having a great time, by the way. She's, like, finally managed to sleep with the girl, the boy that she's in love with. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well let's see what happens. Do I take it from here? I'll do my, uh... I'll do my, my normal uh, podcast voice. Yeah, please. Thank you. Meanwhile, <laughs> rumour, the swiftest of all the... <laughs> Meanwhile... Hey, James Ru- L. James. Yeah. Hello, Simba. Meanwhile... Rumour, the swiftest of all the evils in the world, that famous thing, spreads gossip about Dido and Aeneas' shameful union around the entire region and about how they've forgotten their leadership roles, shirked their duties and have spent the whole winter together. Mm. It's not their fault, they didn't even know they were... Iarbus, the nearby king who loved Dido spurned, hears the rumours and, jealous, appeals to his father Jupiter to intervene. Is Jupiter everyone's dad? Yeah, obviously he's everyone's dad. Um, Iarbus criticises Aeneas for becoming like a woman, perfuming himself and letting his men become eunuchs. Good God. Basically... Iambus is like a Twitter troll. He's, he's very much like an alt-right, like, oh, you cook. Oh, my God, you're such a... Why are they eunuchs, though? Why has his men become eunuchs? Well, no, basically, I think it means that they... He's implying that they may as well Yeah, be. well, it's like, oh, he's so effeminate. They're all so effeminate, they're eunuchs now. Sexist, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I think Iambus, you know, has a lot of homophobic and uh, sexist tendencies, and he should really check those out. You know, check your privilege, mate. After checking on the situation in Carthage, Jupiter sends Mercury to remind Aeneas of his mission. Mercury flies with his winged sandals to Carthage. Okay, before we go any further, I think let's let's take this all in because uh, Rumor, this like, evil thing, has uh, banged in a cave, got married. Don't know they're married though. Uh, the, the god Rumor goes like, "Hey, have you heard about all this thing?" And he goes around and spreads that it around. It's, what Virgil does really well, he kind of manifests like these uh, these things like rumors as like physical things. Uh, he does that. He, he paints a really lovely picture as well. But uh, uh, so there's a lot of personifications in this as well. Uh, and Iarbus uh, and it, it gets it's like, Dad, can you get them to stop doing it, please? He's and, jealous. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and he's like, okay, fair enough. So Jupiter's got Mercury. Yes, and Mercury comes down. But uh, yeah, this is Mercury, of course, is Hermes. Yes, the Greek, the the messenger, and we're gonna. This is a really, this is a lot to talk about here. So uh, go go ahead, Dan. Mercury finds Aeneas bedecked in sumptuous clothing embroidered by Dido with an ornamental sword. Mercury asks him why he lingers here, neglecting his own future kingdom. If Aeneas doesn't care to leave, he should at least think of Ascanius, a promising future king and forefather of the Romans. That's his son, right? Mercury disappears. Aeneas is so dumbstruck and frightened that his hair stands on end. 
Because uh, so, a god has just appeared and been like, what are you doing? And he's like, I, I, well, uh, uh, yeah, think yeah. about your son, bye. Well, that would be weird if that But happened. I think this is a really, this is a good talking point here, because Aeneas is really, I think he's genuinely quite happy to be with Dido at this moment. He wants to stay there, he wants to build this place. He loves Carthage and he's building this place and a home for the first time, you know. He, uh, this is the first time he's landed for seven years and he found this place. However, and then someone goes up to you, no, you can't stay here, you have to go. And he goes, I don't really want to, what if I want to stay here? He goes, well, if you don't go, you son, you deny him fate and destiny and stuff like that. That's a big deal back then. Yeah, and absolutely, and he's like, and he's such a pious guy, so when a god comes down to tell you you have to do it, it's like, oh, I guess I have to go, but, but I find that, that's quite, I think that's a very fascinating thing though, right? Like, uh, he, he's caught between his pious duty to do his thing and his fate and his love and yeah what do you choose it's like do I choose my star of like being a star of comedy and off screen or do I choose uh, wanking for the flannel Uh, which one do I choose it's difficult isn't it (laughs) it's it's a daily choice (laughs) Aeneas struggles to decide how to break the news of his departure to Dido he decides to prepare to leave in secret and figure out how to tell her later (laughs) great his men are happy to depart. Okay. It's always the best way to go about things. Also, like, there's a lot. Like, this is where well, I was just saying how nice Aeneas was there to have that kind of moment. But now he's like, you know what? I'm going to ghost her, and then I'll figure out how to tell her. Like, once can, I'm gone, I'll send a messenger. Or how something. can you do that though? You can't just yeah. like you're gone. Then you know what I mean? What? A- when Dido hears rumors that Aeneas is leaving, she comes to him in rage railing against him for planning to leave in secret and for breaking apart their recent marriage. Yeah, which happened like a day ago. <laughs> Asking if he really must depart during the winter and begged for his pity. Okay, but that's but this is the thing, because uh, in the book, he, uh, he they mention, like, uh, she mentions, oh, we've been married, you're, you're shaking off this marriage. And he's like, no, we, no we're not married. And like, there's that awkward moment, it's like, what, you think we're married? Oh, he finds out they're married. Yeah. yeah. I'll just, if you want to keep on reading, and I'll find a moment for you as well. Oh, wait, also, do you want to hear about how Iobus was uh, consumed, uh, uh, consummated? Oh, yeah. Jupiter had ravished a Garamantian nymph, and Iobus was his son. There you go. Nice. <laughs> so, Juni- that's not like um, Zeus slash Jupiter to rape someone. Well, I said ravish, but it does imply that, doesn't it? Uh, so, she's begging him for pity and to stay. She's disgraced herself, she says, and adds that if she- he leaves, she will end up either married to Iobus or conquered by Pygmalion. She would at least be happy if they'd had a child together, a little Aeneas to keep her company. Yeah, but that, but again, she's quite keen there. You mm. know, then again, div- uh, divine intervention has caused that, but she's very much like, well, I know we've only been on two dates, but I want a little kid, please. Aeneas like, is sorry, but he suppresses his emotions, and he remembers Jupiter's orders. He tells Dida that she should not have thought they were married, as he never discussed being her husband, oh. and they never had a ceremony. If but, he but, could but. have controlled his fate, he says, he would still be in Troy. But since he call- his fate calls him to Italy, he must go. He explains that Mercury came to remind him, and Naos must go against his will. So what's And she's like, he's like, shut up, bitch, we're not married. We well, banged in a cave. In all fairness, I think he's more like, I'm really sorry. and uh, I like, didn't know we'd yeah, get married. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it if I knew. Yeah, but then again, he's not... I don't think he's that tactful, though, if you know what I mean. Like, first, you would have gone to, hey, look, X, Y, Z. I think that she's more pissed off at him because she didn't tell him as well. Yeah. Like, if he had a chance to explain it. But that's why this is spiraling out of control. And what we see here is that we have, like, Homeric responses here. So, uh, uh, Dido will have, like, a like a paragraph where she gets across her point. Then Aeneas will... It goes back to Dido and back to Aeneas as well. Nice. So, what does Aeneas say? Uh, uh, what does Dido say as a retort? 
Uh, Dido insults Aeneas, saying that he's not a goddess's son, but was instead born from the earth and nursed by tigers. <laughs> what a sick burn. What a... You were nursed by tigers, how is, that an, how is that an insult? That's pretty cool. You ain't no demigod. You were just a... You were just born of the earth miraculously and raised by tigers. That's not a cool. And he'll be like, mate, that's way cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I wish my mum was a tiger. She describes her misery in a monologue. Which Matt is now going to perform. No. How she <laughs> welcome to my Edinburgh Fringe show. <laughs> how she welcomed him as a stranger and split her kingdom with him, only to be spurned. Well, she did spurn Iobus, to be fair. Iobus. Yeah. How she won't try to change the decision, but her ghost will haunt him. And we know ghosts exist in this universe because we've seen a few of them. Dido leaves fainting, and though Aeneas has many things to say to her, he piously goes to his ships. The Trojans quickly prepare to exit the city, resembling ants that scurry away with a pile of grain. It takes them a day to get ready to leave. Oh, that's awkward, having to kind of leave. But it's taking a day. Ooh, yeah, it's taking a day. Also, oh. how is he trying to sneak off as well? It's going to take a whole day, and you're going to think you're just going to get the by notice oh, as well. Oh, God, I know. What happens, Matt? Okay, uh, so, uh, just before we go, just before we leave, uh, I just... Uh, sorry, I just... Before we leave? What are you on about? But, so, before... Before they leave. Before they leave, uh, there's a... As I've brought down my Aeneid book down to Wimbledon just to because uh, there's one line in here uh, which like basically Virgil Virgil very rarely shows his own emotions here but he puts in this line here which is that uh, it shows his own like uh, and it's quite sexist but I want to read it out come then no more delay women are unstable creatures always changing it's like alright mate come for a bad breakup <laughs> <laughs> That's That's yeah, yeah. Because like, there's no need for to write that, and it's not part of the story. It's like it's literally just Virgil just writing that as well. It's like not no characters are saying that as well. <laughs> it's quite funny. <laughs> uh, uh, both Iarbus and Virgil like Twitter trolls. So, meanwhile, Dino asks Anna to hurry the, to the shore and ask Aeneas to remain in Carthage until the winter ends and better sailing weather arrives. Uh, which is actually makes very sense. sensible, yeah. And there's no rush to leave right now as well, right? Like no, he, I mean, there kind of is because they just had a really awkward conversation. Yeah, now there is, but he could have waited like a couple of months, yeah. you know what I mean? And broke it to her nicely. Uh, Anna attempts to convince Aeneas, but the fates and the heavens block Aeneas's ears so he won't change his mind. Like That old trick. Yeah. <laughs> just stick some wax in, mate, yeah. He got baby bells in his ears. Basically, what's happened is she's like, "You can't leave," and he's like, "Aba, I can't la, hear la, you, blah blah blah, I can't hear you. The gods are making me not hear you." Because uh, Aeneas, what was quite a charming man, is now quite like uh, petulant, puerile as well. Uh, Virgil compares Aeneas to a mighty tree with a crown that reaches the sky and roots the stretch to the underworld. So he's like an oak tree that's unmovable, but also has no emotional availability as well. Dido prays for death. As she prays at her shrine, the water turns black and the wine turns to blood. She interprets these signs as encouraging her suicidal plans, but says nothing to Anna. I think I would also um, read those as signs if um, all of the water around me turned black and the wine I was drinking became blood. I would start to think, might be a sign here. (laughs) Not actually suicide, but definitely something's going on. Yeah, I mean, that's not a normal day at the office, is it? Like, imagine hanging out at the water cooler. Also, but she says nothing to her sister, so she's just like keeping that quiet that that happened. Yeah, she's very much like traumatized. Uh, she's by like, it. Yeah, I'm totally fine. It's fine. Just, uh, just it's nothing fine. creepy happened yesterday. Yeah, yeah, and she's very much. I think she doesn't want to worry her sister because her sister will talk her out of it. Yeah. Uh, there's also like this is just this is really nerdy now, but I think in the original first draft of uh, this, um, uh, I think that 
Dido is meant to, is the Queen of Carthage, but Aeneas falls in love with Anna. Oh, nice. I don't know why. I don't know why it changed, but it happened. Um, anyway, uh, night falls and the Trojans sleep in their ships. Not welcome in the city. Planning to leave the next day. Dido endures nightmares about Aeneas. Dido prepares for her death, hiding her intentions from Anna, pretending to be happy. Uh, she tells Anna that a priestess recommended ending her heartbreak by burning Aeneas' clothes and armour on a pyre. That's very long for a set there. It's like, uh, it'd be really good if we got a funeral pyre and just kind of like uh, burnt all the stuff. And I was like, yeah, you go girl, I'll set that up for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when you write a country album like I did, uh, <laughs> good way to get over a heartbreak. Uh, or we'll talk about it on the podcast profusely. <laughs> or write an Edinburgh Fringe show about it. Yep. All of the above is fine. Uh, yeah. You're uh, fine. Yeah. I'm actually really happy now. Because I'm dating a girl that listens to body language. <laughs> uh, no, but you find yourself. You don't need to kill yourself. It's fine. Not worth... And it is is definitely not worth it. He's just a little prick, if anything. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, so Anna prepares the pyre and Dido decorates it and prays throughout the night. Once more, she ponders her future, seeing no escape from her sadness. Even if she went with the Trojans, she'd be nothing more than a scorned servant. And she'd rather die than try to fight them in a war. So yeah. she could have went with them as well. But then again, Aeneas didn't really open up that line of conversation. But then again, no. we didn't have the option to, I guess. Yeah, so during the night, Mercury again appears to Aeneas, telling him to leave quickly before the Carthaginians come to attack their ships. Aeneas wakes his men and the Trojans set sail, leaving the Carthaginian shore. So they've gone. Boom. He's but, left. Yeah, because... Like, yeah, he didn't want them to turn sour as well. At dawn, Dido sees the ships have sailed away, crazy with heartbreak, and she wishes she had killed Aeneas, and when she had the chance, she prays that he will have to fight and, and watch his people die before founding his city, and asks that he die before reaching uh, old age. She proclaims that her descendants will be the eternal enemies of his so again, that's setting up that like nice. contemporary yeah. Roman thing where Carthaginians will battle, uh, battle that. Uh, so also that it's weird because their fate is destined that Rome will fight Carthage in the future, but also they created that destiny. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. They because they because they were fighting fate, they also caused it to happen. Mm. Weird, that, isn't it? Then while the nurse is away, she climbs to the pyre and gives a final speech. She says she's glad to have built a beautiful city and to have avenged her Sicaeus and wishes that the Trojans had never come. She will die without ever having gotten revenge on Aeneas, but hopes he's sorry to hear of her death. She finally gets a massive sword and stabs herself through her stomach. Anna runs to the still-dying Dido's side, distraught that Dido had concealed her suicidal plans and gotten Anna to build the pyre under false pretenses. Anna climbs the pyre and holds her dying sister. Juno sends Iris to end Dido's slow torment. Iris offers Dido's body to the underworld, cuts her hair, and ends her life. That's the end of book four. What a sad ending. It's pre- didn't expect to go that way, did you? No, she's dead. Yeah, she... But I think, honestly, that's, that's quite an innovative story. It's a lot of human emotions going on there. Also, but very relatable, but also... Nothing really happens like that in most of the Greeks. Uh, oh, Greek very, very human. Yeah. What's going on there? Uh, and I think we're going to have a lot of time, a good time, like, uh, ranking it as well. So, should we go and do that? Nah. Okay, yeah, let's just end the podcast. <laughs> let's go for it. 
Uh, how did you feel about that? As everyone knows, we rank this in four categories, each category out of ten, making a total out of 40. The first category we're going to discuss today is life skills. Uh, before we do that, we have actually got a new jingle. Um, I want to play it for you right oh, now. Oh, have we? Okay, nice. Oh, we love my car. So I'm in love with my car. Uh, let's just wait for the chorus. Worst song in the world. Well, here's the gear, that's not very good. I'm in love with my car. It's not the worst song. It is. Well, I think it is a worst. What's worse, that or body language? Body language. Body language. It's a weird. Body language catches you off guard. That's at least a Queen song. You yeah. Know what I mean? But again, I still think it's worse. Anyway, um, yes, we rank it in four categories. I look. To be honest, I think this is one of my favorite. I think this is actually one of my favorite moments of the whole of the Nineid, actually, because it's such a ripe moment, and I think it's such an interesting one as well, because. That relationship between Aeneas and Dido, the course of it, how it happens, where there's genuine mis- confusion and there's a divine intervention to make it worse. There's so much going on there. I think it's such one of the best moments of like, of, of my over the whole mess is one of my favourite moments actually, and quite a sad one as well. Did you like it? I did like it. Yes. Uh, so let's talk about life skills. What practical things do we learn here? How to kill yourself. Yep, we learned how to hide your suicidal plans. How to hide your suicidal plans. Which, which, by the way, not a good thing to do. No, shit. Honestly, like, uh, if, you, if you're feeling down or want to chat to something, uh, either talk to a friend about it, or Samaritans are always there, and, like, always very helpful as well. Did they hug up on you one time? They, Samaritans have hung up on me as well, like, uh, <laughs> and that story's too sad for my yeah, current well, show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually quite a funny story. Quite a funny story. And, uh... Yeah, good times. Something I probably shouldn't repeat. But yeah, it's a. Uh, I've got some art for, for, and uh, but not as a suicidal thing. More as just I'm a bit sad and then want to chat to someone, and they're very good. Although I do ask, I was like, "Can you help me out?" I was like, talking to a man called Brian who hung up on me. What Brian's a cunt. So nice. Last year we learned how to build a funeral pyre. Uh, yes. We learned how to get married yes. in a cave. Well, also we learned how to bang in a cave. We learned how to bang in a cave. Oh, we learned how to oh, stop oh, squirting oh. water everywhere. <laughs> Because I got a very squirty ball. Oh yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, how to hunt in the rain? Uh, how to create a storm? Yes. How to send a messenger? How to make false plans with the gods? How to make false plans with the gods? How to um, how to how to get your own back? You know, like get over that girl uh, by like kind of like building your own funeral pyre and setting fire to his clothes and stuff like that. That's pretty. That's so alarmist, Morissette. I love that. We also learned fate and stuff like that. We also learned how to. Get someone to go and leave and stuff like. We we'll also learn how to break up with someone, like by ghosting ghosting them in the night. And this is a original ghoster, isn't he? He is. Yes, that's kind of harsh actually. Bless him. Uh, we also learn that having sex kind of doesn't constitute as uh, marriage. Yep. We also learn that <laughs> Virgil's misogynistic. Oh, also, also learn how to ravage uh, uh, Garamanthi and Nim. I was about to say actually, we learned how to rape someone. <laughs> Stop saying that. It's but, implied when they said ravaged. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. It's so grim though, huh? Uh, but also we learned how to like get your dad to sort out all your problems. Yeah. I've already got a number in my head. What is it? Probably an eight, actually. Do you think it's more than last time? Yeah, I think so. I don't think it's as much. We also learned how to stop the production of a city. Yeah, but loads of different stuff. Lots of different types of skills. I don't think it's as... I think Seven. 
Yeah, okay with seven? Yeah. For all of this ones, I want you to suggest a number and I will say... Which one? Which one? Yeah, yeah. Morals. These are ethical things we've learnt. Oh. Or ethical themes, perhaps, that happened. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, don't kill yourself over a footboy. You, yeah, you're better don't than that. Don't. Uh, please tell someone if you're marrying them. Yes. Good to know, isn't it? It's good, yeah. Nice to get a heads up sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, Dan and I are married. He didn't know that, but we didn't sleep in the same bed last night, so... Well, that is how it works. And also, I whilst you were sleeping, I put an engagement ring on my finger going, yes, I... <laughs> and then you put an engagement ring on my finger yeah. as I slept. That was creepy. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, what else? What else moral things have we learned? Well, uh, I guess uh, well, I think there's actually huge morals here. Like, uh, don't mess someone up. Like trying to lot of mastermind someone's relationship for your own gain, Juno. But it's actually I think Venus is worse for it as well. Venus, because Juno accepted it and she was actually quite chilled out because usually she's not like that, but. Then Venus, but this is this is why I think it's interesting, uh, and mor- morals are quite high in this because the gods, uh, basically, uh, the gods killed Dido for their own gain. They did, they don't care about human life, but they care about Aeneas's life. So his life is more important than hers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And she's just a pawn uh, in in the, their game, and the gods are so lying and deceitful. And I think. We don't really see this before, how it impacts their human life so much, apart from, like, the obvious stuff. But, like, so I think this is such a a nuanced version of this as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, like, is, is it okay for the gods to do that as well? Is uh, And it's only because the gods intervened that this happened as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and she probably wouldn't have acted so... Rageful if she hadn't been hit by Cupid's arrow, do you know what I mean? Uh, but that being said, also don't show, don't leave someone in the middle of the night, don't ghost them. Also, don't, also, if you are leaving someone, probably be a bit more tactful and stuff like that. And uh, listen to reason, I would say. But I think that's quite hard, I think it's a high one. It's very human emotions, this one. You say your number, and I'll say if I agree with it or not. Six. No. I think it's higher. I'm, I was thinking nine, genuinely. Nine? Nah, nah, there's no way it's a nine. Well, 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 I think it's like big themes here, man. Big themes. Also, saying she feels guilty about her husband as well at the start of it. Uh, I, suppose there's, I suppose there was a lot of dark, also, and dark lot, themes. A lot of gods feel, getting in, in with it as well. It's, it's a mixture of human and gods politics as well. And love, uh, love and business get, uh, and fate as well. Yeah, and she's obviously sad. And the whole suicide cause, and stuff. But, but yeah, I, I think this is... I'm just, I'm what about just, an eight? Can I push you to a nine? Because I think, I think it's pretty good. Oh, all right, go on then. I did zone out halfway through you talking about it, so... <laughs> I'll give you that. All I love is, like, you don't even put up a fight anymore. What you do is just like, Ugh, I just want this podcast for you. Yeah, it doesn't matter what I say. You're going to overrule me. No, I'm not. I want, I want to hear... What, back, Creativity. Back, no, 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 go, let's go back. Like, if you think it's an eight, fight for it. Tell me tell me why. Well, I can't remember why I thought it was an eight. I honestly can't remember. I don't think there was a big enough moral, like... Other than her, like, wanting to kill herself... That's a bit sad. And then puppeteering someone's love. That's it. No, I think it's more than that, though. I think, um, as I, I did talk quite extensively about it, but it, I think the gods and the... 
basically, it's how not to break up with someone and also the ramifications of the gods affecting human lives. Fine, well. that's a good one. Creativity. This is, quite creative. now? this is quite creative. We are a married couple. Sorry, yeah, married couple. It's quite creative. Though. I'll give it that. Yeah, take me, take me for it. It's creative, Matt, because there was the gods engineering the love. There was him not even knowing that he's married. That's pretty creative. Yeah, and how they even got them married was pretty creative in the cave and whatnot. Um, her, built, her deceiving Anna, her sister, um, making her build this pyre, knowing that full well she was going to stab herself and throw herself on it. Yeah. Um, What's his face just leaving and being a total ass wipe about it? Yes, and also that- how are you going to tell your wife that you're leaving? Ah, I'll do it after I left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, uh, and also like how this genuine what we don't never seen before is like like misunderstanding from both parties. Not a major one, but like how she interprets marriage and also how he interpreted the crave moment as well. Uh, so I think that's um, yeah. Uh, so I think that's genuine. We don't see that. We've never seen that texture before as well. I think that's really cool. Uh, and also, like, yeah, I think the gods... We have gods in here, and uh, there's no monsters, but what we do have is something... We haven't seen any of this before. No, I think it's, quite, I think it's very human. Yeah, it's the most human one we've seen, I think. Uh, and it's so... It's sad, but I think it, it's very... It's like, a tra- it's like a Greek tragedy, if you know what I mean. What With that. And also someone like I Arbus and... Uh, the garret, uh, the, the nymph as well, stuff like that. Yeah, that was pretty, like, the, the, actually, the narrative of Iobas and even having him as another character. Also, having, like, their love affect the city as well. Uh, it stops production and it stops fate as well. Yeah. And that's quite an all of them. Actually, I've just realised that Iobas is actually why I also forgot about him in the morals aspect. That was quite good. Yeah. Because he was, like... So you warm up to being, a nine. He was, so. like, being jealous. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm increasingly happier with the nine. Okay. Creativity, though. Not as creative as other ones, though. Let's be honest. Well, last last time we had, we gave nine to episode uh, seventy-three. No, 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 that's a lot happened. It was a huge journey we had, and yeah. monsters and gods and different characters, death. But also we had juxtaposition. Well, we did have death. Uh, the only thing it's missing is monsters. But it's an eight, or is it a nine? Because there's a lot going on, Dan. There is a lot going on. And there is a narrative, but it doesn't... The narrative isn't... I think it's quite a strong narrative, which we haven't seen before. But also, the only thing it's missing is monsters. And I think that's the stock thing. That's why it's an 8. But that's why it's not a 10, though. Nah, it's not a 10, because I don't think there was enough, like... But there's a hunting party, there's a cave sex. (laughs) Cave sex, Dan! It's not a 10. Suicide! Because it didn't have a big enough narrative for me in terms of, like, the wider picture, as of right now. Oh, but also, in terms of creativity, they're linking... Like, Virgil links this to modern-day Carthage, though, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's why they've had wars, that's fate and destiny and stuff like that. Was that mentioned? Yeah, 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 because she puts a curse on them. Uh, she, she says, oh, I hope uh, I, I rule you, I hope you get killed before you get to uh, Lavinium, and also uh, I hope that your descendants will fight my descendants one day. Did she say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me find it for you. Uh, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you probably signed out whilst I said it to you. Uh, uh, she proclaims that her descendants will be eternal enemies of his. Okay, so there is like some backstory. Okay, you just call me out on my... Because that's normally what we like to see in creativity. I like to see like the wider narrative. But, the House of Pelops, the kind of thing. But this is a wider narrative, I think, though. It's kind of giving... Uh, a backstory to the the war in between Rome and Carthage. Mm. Are you, are you still thinking eight? 
I am, yeah. I don't know what it was about this myth. I just didn't enjoy it as much as last week. But it's not about enjoyment, it's about creativity. I know, but creativity but I don't, is I don't, enjoyment. I, I don't think... I think it's on par with last week's, I think. But you are, yeah, I wouldn't say it was any... It's yeah. missing monsters, It's missing sure. monsters. But then again... It, but it did have sex and death. Sex and death, which is more than it had beforehand. And also last week, it was already very slapdash. It's like, nice. It was, it was lovely. This was nice to have, like, a full episode's worth of, like, content. Like, stuff happened. Yeah. So, you know what, I'm going to close right, my I'm eyes. I'm nine. Yes! Get in. If you give WTF nine, I'm going to slap I'm you. Not, though, no, 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 no. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Then you're going too far. Nah, well, you take me through WTF, because I think it's low. I think it's low. That, well, it is ghosting. She getting angry. <sighs> uh, Virgil being... Uh, By Arbus. Yeah, uh... Uh, the gods meddling it's pretty WTF the marriage marriaging, mar- being married without knowing you're married that's quite a big WTF yes I think that is that it is I think that actually that is quite a messed up one because like it's more like oh you thought we were married yeah. like, uh, but him ghosting her was pretty funny I <laughs> funny mean, uh, I mean uh, <laughs> um, yeah I think this is significant actually uh, so I'm going to say maybe I, but then again there's suicide as well and also Five or six? I think five. I think it's pretty down the middle. Yeah, it's down the middle. So that's fair, right? Yeah, it's okay. So we have seven, nine, nine, and five. So that is... A 30. Alright, Yep, 30. Oh, it's just missed out there. Yeah. It's, good. it's vying for top spot there. It is. Close. But no cigar. Anything 30 and above is good. Yeah, it's, that was a good myth though, wasn't it? Oh, no, it was a good myth. And what do you think of Dido? Uh, she's a lot. I'm actually really sad about her. I liked her. Oh. Then she was fit. <laughs> is, that, is that inappropriate to say about a fictional dead character? Oh yeah, I'd totally. I'd t- I'd t- take her to her cave. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, that was good actually. I, 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 and I like it because it's going away from the Odyssey now. Yeah, absolutely. Last episode was very Odyssey heavy. Like it was basically yeah, the same it's, journey. It's, it's doing its own thing now. It's got, yeah, he's got his own characters and his own backstory. I think that honestly, I think that's probably my favorite part of the news. Yeah. And now we've got only got eight more episodes left of things which are fine. Uh, no, uh, so Dan, let's do some social media and then get the F out. Last time we did it in 20 seconds. How long are we giving ourselves this time? Do you want to do 10 seconds? Ooh, that's going to be difficult. Wait, before we do that, do see me in the Fringe show because I really appreciate it. I didn't plug it last time and I plugged it twice this time. So buy tickets online, it's only £5. It's going to be really good. And, uh, I've seen a preview. Yes, you saw the really early version of it, which now doesn't have many of those jokes anymore. But also, uh, if you like Dido and like her doing a misery monologue about someone that you loved and now she's gone, come and see my show. Nice. <laughs> Linking it in. Okay, should we do 10 seconds? Yeah, go on. Okay, uh, should, we, should we take it in turns? Uh, As in, like, should, are we going to split it off halfway through? Or, you know, I'm, let's just vibe it. Let's just vibe it. Okay, 10 seconds. Here we go. Four, three, two, one. Follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter, at Miss Podcast, or join our Mr. Fan Group. That's for people like yourselves who are fans, or email us at miss.gmail.com. Awesome Patreon and Kelfie right now. Ten seconds. Mm. Nice. Nice. We have to high five at the end. They well. know it. They know it anyway. If, if you got this far and you haven't sent us an email or donate to our podcast, uh, well, firstly, that's fine because it's a free podcast. But also, you know what to do. Go to any other podcast and then just find out the details there. Oh wait, this is uh, we're, we're, we're riffing on it now. Yeah, you know, you, you they know, know they uh, know about the social media. They know who to email. They know how many stars to give us on iTunes. They know how to donate to our page. Yes, uh, 
I uh, said, Dan, it's time to... Time and to get... of course, you just this is the only episode you've ever tuned into. Yeah, this you've is gone the first one. episode f- 74. Uh, which... On, th- but, man, that's on you. That's not yeah, our fault. Part three of the Aeneid. Then part four. Part four of the Aeneid. Uh, so, yeah, Dan, uh, it's, time, it's, t- it's time to go now. Uh, do you fancy doing a mosh pit in a cave? Uh, By which I mean, do you, do you have sex in the cave? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. I've been Matt Hoss. And I'm Dan Rhodes. And he's Matt Hoss. And that's Dan Rhodes. And uh, he's Ma- I'm Dan Rhodes. <laughs> and I'm Matt Dan Rhodes Hoss. Oh, wait, which one am I? Never mind. <laughs> I've been. Uh, sorry, I'm going to do it again. Uh, see you soon. Lots of love. Bye. Bye, Metallica's family. Myths. Myths.